0: You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Today, when I will look at the, as we look at the Christmas story, I was taken this week as I was you know traveling through the story one more time. There's so many angles to the Christmas story, and I was thinking about the, this week in particular the courage that it took and and so many people's lives in that christmas story. And we knew this because in the and so many times throughout the story you hear the voice from heaven say fear not. You remember when the shepherds the angels came to the shepherds of course they'd be freaked out they were freaked out it's like we'd be freaked out and they're like fear not you know let me let me tell you what's going on and then of course the, uh, when mary heard from god that she was going to you know bear the son of god she was like wow and the, the the first message was don't be afraid joseph of course trying to piece it all together said you know he had a dream and it was like take it easy it's going to be okay and i think when you look at this this pinpointed phenomena in, in human history what you see is something that is it's really unparalleled. It's incredible that the the intentions of the creator of the universe are going to be carried out on earth. And there had to be this mediation in between the two, because we are we are we think in natural terms God was doing something supernatural and because of his compassion, he was saying, Let me let me try to to allow you to execute on earth the intentions of my heart. And in order to do that, you're going to have to have courage. Today's message is embedded in a story 2,000 years ago. But as you will see, this is not only relevant to our culture, but quickly becoming more relevant. To be courageous, to have a courageous pursuit so we look today at, at the Magi will be planted in Matthew chapter two. There are different uh, angles of the, of the story. Uh, there's a fascinating article by John MacArthur. Uh, uh, he's a, a Bible teacher uh, in California. And uh, if you wanna Google that, for those of you like to study Magi and John MacArthur, he's it's just a great, well, well done study. Uh, I learned some things about the Magi. Uh, this week, and so I found them interesting but relevant. It's not just that we're going to, you know, point out interesting facts, but what, what is relevant? First of all, when you look at the word magi, if you add one letter to the end of it, which is a C, you, you get the word magic. And the reason is that the magi were often uh, involved heavily in the occult and sorcery, and uh, so and they came from the east. And so, as they were, as they you know uh, did their thing, we we find out that they were also high level positions in the culture. If you read the Book of Daniel, that, that, that the Magi and what they did were in high culture. So then you say, why in the world would God use someone that was involved in the occult and involved in sorcery? Well, the answer to that is He didn't. These guys were they were different. Than their colleagues, they would come under the umbrella of what the Bible calls God-fearing Gentiles. For I don't like to assume that everybody knows what you know the terms that we use, uh, you know, so clearly, but are uh, so frequently Gentiles, a non-Jewish person. So th- there were people. God's God had focused on the nation of Israel for so many years, but there were people outside the nation of Israel that were, that were God-fearing. We're going to talk about that in a, in a little bit, but they, they, they understood the scripture and they were being led by God. And so when they came to this place, the first act of courage was that God had tapped them. If you, you read, they, most people feel like they came from Babylon. And it's like the story of Abraham. God says, I'm not going to tell you exactly where to go, but I need you to leave your comfortable, familiar surroundings, and I'm going to lead you by a star. Well, that's not normal. Uh, that's not typical. I mean, all of a sudden, they're going to be into this unknown. But when you read about history, the Romans hated the Magi. They were a threat to them. The Jews hated the Magi because it was counter to everything they had learned in the law. So as we begin this story, you notice in, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time, the king, uh, time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Okay, let's piece it together. Here were these guys who were to, you know, had to have the courage to go somewhere they had never been before. They're being told to go to Jerusalem, which was under Roman control. And they're, coming, and they're coming into Jerusalem, which was the, the core uh, heartbeat, the, the, the city of David, uh, for the Jews. So they had to have the courage to go somewhere they didn't know, and then they had to be under, go into the Roman Empire, and then they had to go to the, the core location of the, of the Jews, and, and was, you think, wow, that takes a lot of courage, right? And, and we just kind of read over that, but when you think, man, that took a lot of courage, they were living in a culture that required them to get beyond their fears. Let me say this. Courage is not the lack of fear. If you're, if you're a soldier and it's time to take the hill, my guess is that your heart rate does not remain 60 you know, beats per minute. It goes up. But in the face of fear, in the face of uncomfortableness, in the face of that, courage says, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to move forward anyway. We're told here that it was during the time of King Herod. Okay, if going into the Roman Empire wasn't enough, and going into the place of the you know uh, where the, the the core city of the, of the Jews when both of those hated them wasn't enough, and going to an unknown place wasn't enough, and then really going against the grain of their colleagues who were practicing sorcery, but they were looking for God wasn't enough. Now they're coming into a place in the time of King Herod. Well, we know Herod from the 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 the, the uh, Christmas story. But in history, Herod was brutal. Herod not only created a genocide, whereas you read this story in Matthew chapter two, he killed all the baby boys from two years old and younger. Think about that. This was his brutal heart. But you may not know he killed his own wife. He had three sons. He killed two of his sons because power was so important to him that everything else was a threat, including this coming king, that everybody was looking for. You see the, this, the, the, the kind of the suspense that's growing into this story. And so they came and watch this in Matthew chapter two, verse one again, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the East came to Jerusalem and they asked, you notice I underlined the word asked. They asked, where is the one that has been born king of the Jews? All right, first of all, to be asking in the time of King Herod, where's the one that's going to be born king, was pretty risky because of all the threats that I've, I've described to you. This guy was so threatened by his own sons and his own wife, he killed him. So hey, you go into that culture and say, hey, there's a king that's about being born. I'd like to find that word ask. Yes. And that word ask, when you look in the original language, the verb formation of it is that they continually asked. It's not like they popped into 7-Eleven and said, hey, you know where the king of the Jews is going to be born? Nope. All right. Well, thanks anyway. They're they're looking all over and they're continually asking, 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 asking in a culture that hated them. In a culture that hated them. So when you look at the courage that they had, it says something to us in this culture. All right. All right. I'm going to be careful, I'm going to try to be careful, but, but brutally honest about what I'm about to say, okay? Um, and I, and I, I, I always say, hey, if you've got, you got a problem with anything I say, you just email me. My email address is eric at the360church.com. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. You just email me right away and say anything you want, I don't care. <laughs> I grew up in the 60s, I was born in 1959, so my child formation was in the 60s. It was a very tumultuous time. Uh, National leaders were were assassinated, Uh, 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 Vietnam was going on, Uh, Kent State happened, a lot of mistrust of the government uh, began to surface, so there there was a lot of turmoil. However, during that time, our faith was still open. It was okay still to talk not only about our faith, but to talk about Jesus. As we move forward in history, we find, that I think the danger is that we find, as Christ followers, a victory by just being able to say Merry Christmas. You see how far things have moved. Instead of Happy Holidays, we say Merry Christmas. i like that's some major victory. That we've taken the X out of Christmas and we put Jesus back in Christmas. Okay, I, I, I agree with that. We should. But if we're counting that as a touchdown, I mean, just think how far we've gone, right? That's like me pole vaulting and I made it over, you know, my pair of shoes in the morning. I'm like, well, that's not that great, right? As we've gone through history and we, especially in our culture, okay, in our culture, our news has become propaganda, and so it is difficult to find a place where you are able to find truth and to speak truth. Censorship is on the rise. We've seen it; it's all in the news. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna contain myself here to spiritual uh, uh, that spiritual topic. I mean, I could go off on you know politics and this, that, and the other, but I, I'm respectful of a captive audience. So I'm not, you're not here to hear my political perspective, okay? What I'm about to say, though, is important for us, for those of us that are Christ followers. To speak of God in generic terms is not carrying out the intentions of our God. What I mean by that, just to say God loves you, God, God bless you, is not the intentions of God as he's called us to be ambassadors second corinthians chapter 5 ambassadors of Jesus as if he were speaking through us now i'm told all the time man i got this neighbor i keep t- I keep you know bugging him to come to church awesome that's great and i don't want to make you feel guilty but i'm inviting you today to think about courage the courage that would be the next phase is not to invite them to church, but invite them to lunch and invite them to lunch so that you can ask God to open the conversation, to talk about Jesus Christ and their relationship with him and their need for him and how he has met your need. You see what I'm saying? There's a big difference. And as we enter into this culture, which At higher education, we know is becoming extremely secularized. I have a senior in high school. I have a sophomore in high school. We chose to go into public school intentionally. We we chose to, to do that so that our kids would be uh, missionaries and to be a presence. I we, we and I'm not saying go to Christian school or homeschool or that's that's awesome. Whatever how God leads you is is the way you ought to go. But for us, we felt God leading us and it it has been a powerful impact of of colleagues, of parents, of teachers. We have several teachers here in our church family because especially the courage of my wife Not just to invite them to church, but to invite them to coffee and invite them again and invite them again and invite them again and invite them again again to coffee. She drinks a lot of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know her, you're like, yeah, she drinks a lot of coffee. (laughs) So that she could be courageous enough to fulfill the intentions of God to bring Christ to the coffee table. Let's not settle for God bless you. Nothing wrong with saying God bless you. But you understand what I'm saying. When Jesus was born, last week we looked at Anna. We looked at uh, that she was an older woman. She had been waiting for Christ, and God had led her to wait for Christ. And, she, and we, right before Anna, there's a guy named Simeon, also an older man, Simeon, this older man, took Christ, the, the, the baby Jesus in his arms and he said, now I can depart in peace because this is the thing that God led me to wait for and told me that I was going to see the Savior of the world before I took my last breath. And then he uttered these stunning words in the midst of this enchanting Christmas story, Luke two thirty four. This child, Jesus, he said, is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. In other words, he's a dividing line. He's, it's okay to talk about God in many circumstances. I can talk, I, have, I have Muslim friends around the world. It's a different story. We can both talk about God, but when Jesus comes into the conversation, things change. And to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Watch, including ours. Our hearts are going to be revealed whether or not we're willing to speak of the Savior who died for us in this culture where the noise is is blowing, the wind of the noise is blowing stronger against Christ and against Christianity. We live for many years in a post-Christian culture. But I began to say three or four years ago, the wind is blowing toward more of an anti-Christian culture. How do I know that? Um, I was in Selby Gardens yesterday, beautiful day. A great friend of mine from Ukraine was here and we we walked for a couple of hours. And uh, he said, oh, there's a statue of Buddha. I'm like, yeah, there's Buddha. And there's a statue of, uh, later on, there's there's a Brahma. Yep, there's Brahma. Where's Jesus? And so this is this is not disrespect for other faiths. I want to make sure everybody understands, it's not me throwing rocks at Hindus or Muslims or anything. What I'm saying is that it's not equal representation. And so in a culture of this, of this volume, it's going to require greater courage on your part. Okay? Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't know anything you're talking about. Not a problem. Get out. (laughs) I, and probably you do too, have this sense that it's going to, as we go on further in history, it's going to require greater courage to be a a Christian who speaks respectfully the name of Jesus, all right? So we have to ask ourselves, I, I like hows, not just what's and whys hows how do we do that how has god given us a mediation between the intentions of his heart And and what he wants us to execute on earth. There's got to be a way. You look at at the Christmas story. He's doing it throughout the entire Christmas story. Here's what I want. Mary, you're going to have a baby, but okay, take it easy. Fear not. It's going to be all right. Here's what's going to happen. Let me describe. The Holy Spirit is going to, you know, he's going to, same thing with Joseph. Freaking out. Okay, let me tell you. So God is all about the mediation between his intentions and how he's going to act. How does he do that? Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, the second half. Watch this. The Magi say this word, we saw his star in the east, not just a star. We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. This began by a supernatural draw of God. Supernatural draw of God, okay? What I mean by that is if you don't think it's supernatural, I ask you, how's your week going? Pretty good. Have you moved any planets recently? I haven't moved any planets. Like so, when they were drawn by the star, God it says we saw His star. Now I know that you know Saturn and Jupiter are coming closer together, and it's pretty cool. We've got someone that really studies astronomy, and as the Magi did, and uh, they man, it's so, it's pretty neat how that's going. And some people say, hey, maybe that's the that's the Christmas star, etc. But see. It wasn't just as natural cosmic, uh, you know, gravitation toward one another, whatever it's doing. That's the extent of my astronomical knowledge. (laughs) But God supernaturally moved as he did in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Remember the pillar of fire? The first thing that gives us courage when we're speaking about Jesus is that Jesus, like the wise men, like the magi, could literally say we were living our lives and he literally changed the direction supernaturally. We literally changed the direction supernatural. We were doing our thing. We were looking for God. See, they understood the scripture. They understood the Old Testament prophecy, which we're going to see. They understood that. So these magi... Come under the umbrella of what would be considered God fearing Gentiles, right? Those non Jewish people that were looking for God. It's kind of like Cornelius. And some of you, are like, you mean like Yukon Cornelius and Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? No, I'm not saying that. You know, I told that joke to my wife earlier this morning. She laughed about as quietly as you did. Like, that's not funny, okay? <laughs> I still think it's funny. Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He was a Roman. He was not a Jew, but somewhere in the line that God had drawn him to say there's something more. People ask me all the time, how about the guy in India that has never heard the word Jesus? Well, see, I've been around the world, and when I I notice there's more supernatural openness and activity when I'm outside the U.S. than when I'm in the, the U.S. What do I mean by that? I have seen people I've heard people they've told me their stories I worshiped Satan I was an atheist I was this I was that and then God began to draw me to himself and I had a dream I had a vision and I said and something began to draw me outside of the culture that I'd been grown up in See if God can move planets and make creative uh, and create pillars of fire he moves us supernaturally See I was stuck as a musician and I would have this ambition that was as strong as the force of gravity. And God said, "I've got something different." And He, t- he sent some that the Spirit of God to change the direction, just like the the, the Holy Spirit. What do, why am I saying this? Why does this give you courage? I think many people are scared to speak about Jesus because they're going to get that question that they don't know. They're going to get that question about the, 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 uh, something you don't know. Something that's super, you know, some guys watched, you know, 17 YouTube videos, and he's going to ask you to answer that question. Why does bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much crime in the world? How about the guy on the island in the middle of nowhere has never heard about Jesus? Blah, 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 blah. You know, it, uh, uh, all these questions that come up, and you're so, so afraid, like, man, I should have never brought Jesus. I should have talked about Yukon Cornelius. See what I'm talking about? It's okay to say this, just like the blind man. I don't know, but one thing I do know is that two minutes ago I was blind, but now I can see. I was living my life with a gravitational force toward my own ambitions with no thought of God, and he intervened, and he put a star in my life that led me to the place over Christ, and I found him. That's how God moves. It's just being honest. Now, I know some people didn't have, you know, fireworks and everything when you came to Christ, but if you're a true Christ follower, your appetites are different for God. And your appetites are different for the things that you used to have an appetite for. There's something happening. I used to not want to pray. Now I want to pray. I used to not even like the Bible. Now I really can't, I can't stand a day without the Bible. Now I used, to, I used to be a jerk. Now I'm just a little jerk. So... <laughs> The Magi said we came because we were led by God. Our first sense of confidence is that there's a supernatural leading in our lives, and no one can deny that. One more thing about that. The only reason that we can have a supernatural movement in our lives that's attached specifically, solely, and equivocally to Jesus alone is because he's the only one who came back from the dead so that he can distribute the power, the supernatural power that he gives. Every other religious leader respectfully is laying in a grave somewhere. Only Christ can do that. That's why we have the confidence in Jesus, you see? Matthew chapter two, verse four, here's the next thing. So Herod called together all the chief priests and the teachers of the law, And he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So they go back to the Old Testament prophecy in Bethlehem in Judea, they reply, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. They've tapped into hundreds of years of prophecy, predictions about Jesus, precise predictions about Jesus. In fact, 300, over 300 predictions about Jesus. You see, our first sense of courage, like, man, God has done something supernatural in my life. But the second bit of courage is that we stand on an amazing word of God that precisely predicted very fine details about who jesus was going to be so i want to i just want to show you it won't be a, you know if you got your phone you want to take a picture of it, this is cool but i want to show you a list of some of the of, of some of the uh uh the the predictions the prophecies that came out of the old testament okay so let's let's just take a look at this list you're going to see them listed in red if we can go to the next screen Uh, There we go. So just his, and I just, you know, again, we can't go through all these, but I just want to give you an idea of the volume, the nativity, the early years, the fact of his birth, the the place uh, uh, that that we just read from Micah of Bethlehem, the adoration of the Magi there in Psalm 72. We're told that they were going to bring gold, hundreds of years before the Magi came, that they were going to bring gold and incense, Gold and incense. And so myrrh and frankincense are incense. Hundreds of years before the magi came, we get the details of not that they were just going to come, but what they were actually going to bring. Someone told me after the first service they, that they uh, had they saw this little children's play and the you know the the grandson was you know was proudly the wise man. He said, "We come bearing gold, common sense, and fur." Um, I'm not quite sure where that scripture is, but. If we go to the next slide, you'll see not only his nativity in early years, but his office, his position, his mission. He was a prophet like Moses, the conversion of the Gentiles all through the Old Testament, his ministry specifically in Galilee, his preaching. If we go to the next slide, you'll see that he's about, about his crucifixion, the rejection of the Jews. All of these are listed prophecies in the Old Testament his persecution, triumphal entry, betrayal by a friend, a false accusation, serious uh, silence under accusation all the details. You'll see uh, on the next slide, res- his resurrection, his ascension, his second advent, his everlasting rule. All of these are in the Old Testament that, 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 that are prophecies that over 300. Now, some of you know, we list this in our disciple making tools exchange, but we you, you may have seen it. This, this guy's last name is Stoner and he's a mathematician and he uh, has calculated the math of if you just took all of these 300 prophecies What are the odds that just eight of them would come true? What are the odds that eight of them would come true? I put the number up on the screen. It's one in 10 to the 17th power. This is about the same odds you have as winning the lotto. Don't go for it. Think about that. One in in 10 to the 17th power. Now, I can see you're not impressed yet. So, some of you have heard this illustration, but let me review it. You take a silver dollar, and you put an X on it. And then you take the state of Texas, and you fill fill the state of Texas, I almost went through a Texas accent there, I don't know if you noticed. You you fill the the state of Texas about thigh high with silver dollars. I mean, you can't find an inch where there's not a silver dollar. And you take that one with an X, and you put it in that whole mix across the entire state, you blindfold someone, and you say you got one shot at finding this. That's the odds, that's exact mathematical odds. So let's put it in real language. Let's say, for example, you know, I'm a stockbroker, and you call me up, and you say on oh, Monday morning, 9.25, before the bell rings in five minutes, hey, I'm gonna invest in Apple. I'm like, great, because it's gonna go up 3.5% uh, today. Okay. So you do it, and you, oh, sure enough, end of day, boy, there it is. It went up exactly 3.5%. What are you going to do tomorrow? You're going to be ringing my phone. Now it's going to be 9 o'clock. Hey, I've got a list of stocks, right? But maybe you just got lucky, or maybe he's doing something illegal, which you don't care about because you just made a lot of money. So you, now you now you, give me the, you give me again. and say, hey, I, I want to invite, I, I wanted to invest in Intel. Oh, don't do that. It's going to go down 2.8 points today. And sure enough, in the bell, there it is—down 2.8 points. What's happening? Your your investor confidence is building in me, right? Because it's so accurate every single day. So if all these predictions about Jesus, specifically—not about God, but uh, Jesus, God—but but but specifically about Jesus, the Savior, is is it, it, it coming true at these odds, all right, one to the 10 to the seventeenth, one in 10 to the 17th power, if 48 of them, not just eight, if 48 of them just came true, it would be one to, the, to 10 to the 156th power. I just put 17 zeros up there. There was, a, the screen wasn't big enough to put, a, to, to put 156 zeros. I don't know about you, but I got some investor confidence going. Yes. So I'm going with the confidence to know that God has done something in my life, but I'm also going with the confidence that the word of God precisely, precisely told us about a coming king named Jesus, born in a certain way, going to be visited by Magi, carrying specific gifts in a little town called Bethlehem, hundreds of years that before I've got great confidence to go tell someone, not just about God, but about the king of the world, Jesus. That makes sense? The Word of God gives us incredible confidence. Now, let me say this as we, I want to say this respectfully but honestly. I find that as culture moves forward, the more honest I need to be. Because I don't know if we're getting this as Christ followers anywhere else. If the church and if preachers begin to become too scared to speak truth, then where are we going to get it? Matthew 2, 7, Herod called the magi secretly, covertly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go make a a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Let me make this simple statement to you. Communication in our culture is not always straightforward. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you're listening to. Just because you see it on TV does not make it true. and there's a lot of noise. I sent my two boys, my treasures, into a secular-minded school because they are going to go into a secular university where I promise you the volume of Jesus is much less than the volume of a culture which is not straightforward. Be prepared be prepared. Final thing. Matthew chapter 2 verse 9. <clears throat> this is where it gets exciting. <laughs> this is where it gets exciting. After they had heard the king, the magi heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the precise place <laughs> where the child was. <laughs> God's like (laughs) who does that (laughs) man verse 10 when they saw the star they were overjoyed you bet they were come on like no joke on the coming uh, on coming to the house not the manger Coming to the house, they saw the child, not the baby. Uh, Jesus was a little older by then. With his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. God had caused them to search for Jesus. Listen, people that you know, that you love, maybe you're sitting here, and maybe I've turned you off by by this, this conversation, but if you forget me, Listen. If you are exploring spirituality, you don't need generic God. You don't need generic uh, spirituality. You need Jesus, the savior of the world, who sees you through his eyes of love, who loved you enough to lay his life down as the only savior of the world, to die for your imperfections like he has mine, and to come back from the dead so that you can experience that life is not just natural, that is supernatural, that life is not just what we see, the visible, but it is the invisible, that life is not just nine to five, that there's great purpose, and that we're living in the kingdom of God where he calls us to work. You need Jesus, not just generic God. And we need to communicate that. They bowed down and they worshiped. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Watch this. And having been warned by a dream, the intentions of God, the the execution of his plans. God's going to mediate one more time. And God being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by, I want you to say it together, Another route. We have confidence in us that that God is working supernaturally. Okay? And and you don't have to be a theologian to explain, man, God, I was going this way. God changed me this way. God gives us enough precision in the word about Jesus that gives us confidence. But the final point of confidence is that when we come against a brick wall, when we come against the Red Sea, we serve a God that always gives us another route. If the voices of, of the culture said, you can't say that anymore, you can't do that anymore, God will find a way. There are too many times I'm like, I, uh, around the world, the people I hang out with, I one of our trainers in a country in Africa, they said, you can't come in here with Christian materials. Well, there was a printer who was a God-fearing man in that country that says, I'll print them. Six boys in in, in a country in Asia, they were told, you can't go into these villages. They always end their communication with me. God will make a way. God's voice is louder than any other voice in our culture. And as we move forward in history, we must, as Christ followers, either say, I'm just going to play church or I'm on the planet to execute the intentions of the God in heaven. And he will provide the courage for you. We end today with the Christmas story of John. It's eternal. (laughs) In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And that Word was with God, and that Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things have been made through him. And without him, not any one single molecule was made. In him, in Christ, was life. And that that life was the light of men that everyone on this planet so desperately needs. Watch. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, cannot, will not, will never overcome it. We have great confidence in Jesus, born King of the Jews, King of the universe, our Savior, our Rescuer. Be encouraged. Be infused with courage. You live in a culture that so desperately needs people that will stand with Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.